She's always been the type of person that just says things and she just speaks her mind. I guess that has a little bit to do with not having a formal education. Welcome to episode 38 of The Body Serve. I'm Jonathan. And I'm James. It feels like we haven't recorded for two years. It's been quite a long time. And in tennis time, it's been an eternity. So much has happened. It's been only three weeks, but all hell has broken loose <laughs> since we last saw you. And we we wanted to get to you sooner, but you were under the weather for quite a while. And then yeah. we had vacation planned. And we can't account for... Sharapova failing a drug test. I mean, like, it was who's really, the schedule for that? It was really bad timing for us. <laughs> Let's cut right to it because so much has happened with this story that we haven't talked about. Perhaps we now have the benefit of a little bit more of a broad perspective in, in talking about it rather than having to, to deal with it while it was happening. Because there's a lot of moving parts to it, right? Yeah, and I hope it's not old news now because it is... Well, it's like two weeks since the announcement, right? And that announcement, I was at the mall doing some last-minute shopping for a trip. And a couple of days before she announced she was having this press conference to announce something major. And of course, everybody thought maybe she was retiring. And so 3 p.m. comes and I'm just sitting in the food court with my <laughs> with my headphones on watching my phone for this press conference and there's this tiny old asian man sitting beside me after having done his like midday exercise i guess mm. and i'm just waiting waiting and then she comes out and says she failed a drug test and i'm just like what <laughs> and i think you were at class and i texted you and you couldn't believe it either well i was developing a fever on the subway <laughs> L- literally <laughs> And so I was reading what the announcement was, and I'm like, no, I must be getting delirious. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> and that press conference. Let's talk about that to start. I'm sitting there waiting for this press conference to start, and they're showing the image of the stage where the press conference is happening, and some music's playing, and you're like, what kind of setting is this for a retirement announcement? <laughs> so right off the bat, it's like, okay... This is very strange. And then she comes out by herself. I figured if it was a retirement announcement, she'd have a bunch of other people there with her on stage. Mm. It was just one tiny little budget-looking podium where she comes up to and right away says it. And the whole thing was carefully curated. Yeah, I mean, it was very Maria. Like, this is the professionalism we've come to expect from her brand, you know? What was with Max Eisenbud like teasing the press conference? I don't get that. Like, why are you advertising this? That it's going to be big news. Was he unaware of what the news was? Because it's not good news. No. She gives the announcement and in the middle of it, talking about how, you know, people were speculating that she was going to be retiring. But, you know, why would I ever retire with a, in a room with such a drab carpet? With a, f- a fairly ugly carpet. Right. Like, you chose the carpet. Like, you chose this Best Western Motel 8 conference room. Right. 
<laughs> with folding chairs it's for like, the press. And sorry, usually you don't get the benefit of revealing your own failed drug test. Somebody does it for you. Right. You know, I mean, it's typical like Maria Pettiness. It's not surprising at all. That's who she, who she is. Care to say more? No, we'll get to that in a little while. Okay. <laughs> we have a, a bit of a different take on this whole issue. I come at it from a perspective of being very skeptical of drug testing to begin with. Mm-hmm. And there's this dichotomy that's taken for granted, that drug testers and WADA have the purest of intentions and they should be trusted at all turns. Right. Because their best, their main interest is the sanctity and the purity of sport. When in fact, I call bullshit on that. I find that a lot of the the workings of drug testing is arbitrary. Mm. And we've seen that all over this case in that Meldonium was just added to the drug, the banned drug list. Mm. So why now, as opposed to the 10 years previously that Sharapova said she was taking it? What makes Meldonium different now from even four months ago? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am curious what sort of what evidence they're going off of about, you know, why Meldonium is worthy of being banned, because from everything that I've read, the evidence that it's performance enhancing is very thin, Uh specious even. And if it's just a matter of, well, they've been testing over the past two years and during that time, they've noticed a spike in players turning up with meldonium in their system. Mm. And so it's like saying if you test 100 players over two years, and you started with nobody taking it, but all of a sudden everybody's taking zinc and zinc shows up in your system. So it must be performance <laughs> enhancing. You know? I mean, certainly there is evidence that players believe it to be performance uh-huh. enhancing and that's why they're taking it. Yes. Because. But it, is that enough? <laughs> well, probably not on its face. But we're, ex- we're expected to accept that because WADA says so. Right. And there's a lot at stake. There's endorsement dollars at stake, which we've seen many of Sharapova's sponsors fly the coop. Right. There's or at her least reputation. Sus- put their relationship uh-huh. on suspension. There's her reputation. There's a WTA who has to run its business with one of its top stars embattled mm-hmm. right now. There's all the players on tour who then have to deal with these questions in press conferences and live with it. Right. From week to week. And because if one of the sport's top stars are taking this questionable drug, then surely some other players must be using drugs, right? That's the implication. One, yeah, one of the assumptions, right? And that's a question that every other player will have to deal with. Uh-huh. But it is fishy. This is not to say that it's not fishy, because mm. if you follow the history of athletics, you know that Russian athletics, going as far back as the Soviet athletic system has been cheating the system left, right, and center whenever it can. Right. I mean, their track and field, the entire track and field team is on an international ban right now. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, there's some who don't want the Russian team, the Ru- Russian Federation, participating in these upcoming Olympics. Right. Because of how porous their their doping system is. Oh, their that's drug a good testing. word. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I thought you were going to say poor, and then... It, you know, it just happened. <laughs> Now, you know, we've heard that I think there were something like 99 other international athletes 
testing positive for meldonium in the past few months. Mm-hmm. Um, and this drug has, you know, we didn't know about it, but it has been around for a while and people have been talking about it in those communities for a few years. And it did surface in this documentary that was made about uh, performance enhancing drug use in Russia. Um, but there was a study in 2015 of Russian athletes of over 4,000 urine samples and 17% of the samples tested positive for meldonium. So clearly there's, first we should say that the Russian Federation didn't know about Maria's use of the drug. That's what they said. She's not affiliated with them in that way. Well, that's, that's an interesting thing for me because we think of Sharapova outside of playing Fed Cup for Russia Mm. as being more of an American star at this point. You know, she lives stateside. She's been that way for a, She's lived there for a long time. And so to think of her or think of this situation as her being aligned with this mass doping in Russian athletics immediately sets off some alarm signals. Right. Right. You're like, oh, right. She is Russian, isn't she? Now. But is that is that true? What? That she she just got this on her own? Uh, that's what she's saying. And, and based on her timeline, I guess it would then predate the mass usage in Russian right, right. athletes, right? And I mean, she clearly doesn't want to be associated with any of the Russian sports federations on this issue. Of course not, right? So, I'm, you know, everyone has probably heard her version of events at this point, that a family doctor about 10 years ago prescribed meldonium to treat a few different things. She had a magnesium deficiency. She is apparently predisposed to diabetes. Had irregular EKGs kind right. of thing. So a, a doctor supposedly prescribed the drug, but there are also some medical experts going around to journalists saying, well, we don't think this drug actually treats those symptoms. Uh-huh. So there's a possibility that it could have been misdiagnosed. You know, if you're if you're assuming there's no foul play or evil intent. You, boy, you had to catch yourself just now so <laughs> Hard. No, that's giving her... You're like, am I, am I defending Sharp over here? What's going on? <laughs> right. So just the idea that those symptoms aren't being treated properly doesn't prove that it's being taken for, you know, an mm. evil reason. It doesn't. Part of me living my life is always being on the lookout for when people are trying to pull the wool over my eyes, right? Mm-hmm. That's part of my being as a, as a thinking person now. <laughs> after having all these school bills to pay for. Right. This and, is all we have to show for. Right. But when you, you look at Sharapova's press conference and the stuff that she said and how carefully managed it was, and you have to accept that every word was written and carefully written for a purpose. Right. The fact that she started out by saying she was taking this drug by a different name for all these years and then it's now being called a different name. To me, that's that tells me that she wants us to think, or the layperson to think, that maybe it was an oversight because she didn't really pay attention to what the new name of the drug was. Uh, okay. Which doesn't necessarily gel with the rest of her argument, but that's one message that's being put out there. Mm. Right? Now... What else about the, the press conference don't you buy? Oh, you're going... I thought you were more... I thought you were less skeptical than I. I think it's a very nuanced issue. Okay. I'm just not... I'm wary 
to just cast blanket blame. Right. You know? Oh, yeah. That's where I'm coming from. And but there's a lot of stuff to call bullshit on. Right. Which is what I want to do right now. And I mean, we're putting this out into the universe with our names and voices attached, so I want to be fair uh-huh. and honest. And accurate. You know? Exactly. To me, it's it's weird and embarrassing that at this point, you're being rehearsed, you're being careful, and dotting your I's and crossing your T's. But for several months, your team forgot to look at the new list of banned drugs. Mm-hmm. And I realize that their communication system is probably not the most efficient or effective. Which Maria also wanted us to know very clearly oh, right. with that follow-up Facebook oh, message. Let's, right? We'll get to that in a moment. When I mentioned Maria's pettiness, uh-huh. her you know deep down like inherent pettiness, that's what I was talking okay. about. Because that's the part that when all the rehearsals sort of fade away and she's allowed to put something on social media herself, that's when she comes out. I think we'll be able to make a connection between her and Novak in this regard. Yes. Later on. We will. <laughs> because this is something we've talked about ad nauseum on the podcast since its, in- since its inception. Mm. That, you know, the, the PR game of these two is so is so strong. But always bubbling under, there's this kind of seediness that doesn't always rise to the mm-hmm. to the fore. See, and we get glimpses of yeah. it every now and then. With Sharapova, her brand is so finely managed, but there's always been a meanness to her that she can't help but show on court every once in a while. You know, the, the blood pressure comments... She makes, com- you know, snide comments about, oh, I thought she mm. was already back in Poland. She is a mean yeah. girl. I mean, and <laughs> these things come out for when a she's lot not of people. Guarded. That's something that we celebrate. But for some reason, for us, we don't take to it. Let's, I don't. Let's own that. At fine. Least. Fine. I don't. It's mean spirited. She's okay. like, she's not like Yelena Yankovic. Would you say she's ugly on the inside? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny you should mention that because I feel like. After all these years, that comment should have been saved for the real enemy. <laughs> Victoria Azarenka. <laughs> the real enemy. Oh my god. Like, when she dabs, I she seems like a narcoleptic who fell asleep halfway through it. Oh my god. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about Sharapova. Yeah, what else don't you buy about this whole process? Well, okay. I, I want to be really careful about not sort of making a blanket statement saying that I don't believe her okay. because I don't know because I wasn't there. Yeah. You know, maybe she was taking this drug in good faith thinking that it was handling her symptoms. I don't know. I, you know, I'm not a medical doctor. I don't know how this thing works mm. or why you would take it. Or that it. she actually had symptoms because some people are questioning that okay. as well. Okay. Well, know? that's, yeah. And I'm not even sure I would go that far because... It's not our place. We have ex- no way of Exactly. Knowing. But something that I did want to mention that I sort of ran across, I think in Christopher Clary's, one of his articles in the New York Times, was the idea of the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law. Mm -hmm. Because for many years, obviously, Meldonium was not illegal. You know, it wasn't on the ban list. But was she violating the spirit of the law by taking it? And were these 99 other athletes also? Because... When I mentioned that study where 17% of the samples turned up positive for meldonium, do 17% of athletes in Russia have a magnesium deficiency? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, clearly many athletes were taking this to gain a competitive advantage. 
But again, the spirit of the law is another arbitrary, vague concept. Okay. It's an abstract concept. What does it really mean? So you're saying it's not really relevant if she was taking it forward in advantage. Correct. Because what is that advantage? How big is that advantage? Mm -hmm. If you want to get petty and snide, it clearly didn't give her an advantage for most of a decade against Serena. Right, but it could have given her an advantage against many other players. It could have. But I don't believe that those other players aren't gaining competitive advantages in other ways that are unforeseen. Like, this has come to light now, and yes, based on the letter of the law, she Mm -hmm. has to face some kind of ban. But the way that we're going to then cast her uh, in hindsight and going forward must measure up to what the actual deed was in some sense. Okay. Which is difficult to to really put a value on. Mm-hmm. It's just very complex, I think. It is, yeah. And we, we nor, or nor does anybody else, have the answers. Mm-hmm. I think Lindsay Gibbs mentioned in her article that you sent me that a lot of Russian players were treating this almost as a vitamin. Mm-hmm. Be- well, because it wasn't on the banned list, right? So they were sort of treating it as just another way to become more competitive. But I get that. But to me, like, this is a drug with real medical uses that's created in a lab. It's not vitamin C. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It doesn't occur in nature. This is part (laughs) part of my problem with this issue too. This issue too is the language to gain a competitive advantage. Okay. Well, those were my words. Yeah, but that's what's been used a lot too. Okay. What does that mean in this context? What is that advantage? And what is that advantage relative relative to other minor, non-illegal drugs? Mm-hmm. You know, Right. I mean, Rafa uses what some people consider blood doping on his knees, or has in the past. Uh-huh. Novak you sat in that, chamber. that little egg. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Venus is a vegan now. Is that an advantage? <laughs> you know? <laughs> the more I think about this issue, the more I think I don't know. <laughs> And the more I want to rely on just being aware of what the the fishy things are. Not taking one side 100% or the other. Okay. And, well, it's funny, the more that I think about it, I was was so ready to give her the benefit of the doubt that day. And in the moment, I was really trying to kind of stay out of it, stay above the fray. Because I, well, I really didn't want to say anything stupid because Mm -hmm. I didn't know. And it's not like I'm a big name or anything, but I just don't want that attached to me. It's part of being a thinking aware person. (laughs) Sadly, a lot of people don't give two hoots about that. But as time has gone on, I feel less and less charitable for Mm -hmm. several reasons. One is the follow-up Facebook post where she was trying to cover her ass even more. Complaining about the way that WADA communicates new drugs, how easy it was to to miss it mm-hmm. if you weren't looking for it because i feel like you she has already had the advantage of starting the conversation on her terms yes now it's it's like it's not enough you know then she has to go on facebook and say oh and another thing and then tweeting and quote tweeting people who are sending her messages of support with hashtag i stand with maria hashtag let maria play and talking about this warms my heart, blah, right. blah, blah. This is the time to be silent. This is the time to let the process play out 
and have your say in that court. If your mm-hmm. receipts are all in order, like you claim they are, like you are tested and you made it known that you are taking these things. And thus, when you go before the the panel and mm. you say, well, yeah, I did declare that. Okay, we buy your story. Then that will come out and then you can talk about those things then. But why are you trying to co-opt and control the narrative so much? Right. I don't get it because according to her, she's not being persecuted here. It's not a witch hunt. She says that she takes full responsibility for what happened and she made a mistake Mm -hmm. and she's willing to pay for it. So why are you then going and covering your ass in all these myriad ways and then throwing shade at another tennis player very openly, which Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. This is like the real Maria that she can't help. You know, at least I didn't go away and pretend like, you know, I was just injured. Right, right. right. It's like you really can't help yourself because you tried to stay above the fray and be the bigger person. And you just couldn't because I really think that's who Maria is. What we know for sure is that this was a failing of massive proportions of herself, her team, everybody in the Sharapova camp in paying attention to what was going on. Mm Mm-hmm. Because supposedly there were warnings, multiple warnings, which she then tried to refute with all these, you know, myriad examples of... Why they were insuffi- easy to miss. Yeah, or- insufficient and minute literature. Mm. You know, things hidden in fine print and whatever. What's funny to me is that, well, we know Maria has the reputation of not being... Well, kind of being like a lone wolf on tour. Mm-hmm. She's not there to make friends, right? She's like the original reality yeah. star. And so then you you don't see a whole long list of WTA players lining up to defend her. No. You don't. You see Serena, because it's given her the perfect spotlight in which to be magnanimous. Yes. But Radwanska happily says, I read the list. And oh, we're very careful. But then you have the, the people like Kristina Mladenovic, who is going oh, off. And I'm not willing to give her any time of day and put her opinions out there, because... That type of pettiness, which is really what it boils mm. down to. I, yeah. I have no need to put that out there. No, that woman has stepped in shit so many times because she says literally whatever is on her mind. Mm-hmm. And those are her opinions. She's entitled to them, but they really don't mean anything. She's not proving anything or no. disproving anything. She's just really putting her dirty laundry all out there. And it's not a good look. Mm-hmm. It's funny when you ask someone like Simona Halep a stupid question, you get a stupid answer. (laughs) You know, I really love her in that way. Mm. Because somebody asked her, have you spoken with Maria since this happened? And she's like, "Uh, we didn't speak before. Why would we speak now? Uh (laughs) You know? It's like, do you think they all have like a group text or something? And people are saying that, you know, Serena is being so supportive of Maria. Headlines going out about... You know, Serena showing great support and blah. Like, this is... She's towing the line. This is Mm -hmm. what, as far as her PR is doing in this situation and her handling of the situation, this is how she should, quote-unquote, should handle it, right? And it's also how we've come to expect Serena to handle something like this. In her later years. Right. (laughs) But it's not like she was ever somebody who would accuse someone of... Of not having a formal education? Well, right, but that's that's shady, but that's not, like, something that's going to affect someone's future. Okay. She's not, you know... Yeah. She, like, Mladenovic said, well, we know that Cherapova is a cheater. 
Serena in her younger years would also never say that. Unless she had evidence of someone breaking the rules in front of her. Like By when putting their hand up and then claiming that they didn't <laughs> put their hand up. Yeah. I was also talking about when Maria Jose Sanchez, uh, when the ball hit her on her arm uh-huh. at the French Open. And Serena called her a cheater in press. She doesn't like when people break the rules yeah. of the game, you know. I thought Venus's answer was the best. And all of them Remind were asked me? about it in press. She was essentially saying, I don't know. I'm not going to comment on things of which I have no idea about. You know, Maria has done great things for the sport and for the fans and for young children in the past. And that's all I'm going to say, pretty mm. much. Venus is so wise. Right? Like, she was probably too busy designing her new Eleven dress. Or and focusing she was like, on her own momentous return to <laughs> Indian Wells. Like, damn, she's probably thinking, damn you, Maria. Right? For stealing my spotlight. She was probably like, sorry, what's going on? I really don't pay attention. <laughs> <laughs> Serena, she's probably texting Serena. Serena, what's going on? She's, they were then, asking me these questions. I really don't know. <laughs> okay, you be, you be, um, you be Serena, I be Venus. Okay. Okay. Serena, yes. what, oh, Serena, what's going on? Oh, I don't know. I'm like too busy Snapchatting Chip. But I heard, I'm like making fish tacos. I, I think something's going on with Maria. Like she had a press conference. That's what people are saying. Oh, Blackheart's girlfriend? It's, yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know. Just just say you don't know. Oh my I'm seeing it on Twitter now. It's something about um Maria doping. She's doping. Oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> this bitch. Like she's stealing my <laughs> spotlight. As if Venus would ever say that. <laughs> Gotta go. I just found Jill's wallet. <laughs> There's $27 in it. I'm going to keep it. Girl, my smoothie is getting too watery right now. I got to go. <laughs> what else about the, the whole thing don't you buy? I think you're asking a leading question here. Perhaps. This is not like some journalism course. Right. I don't know. I find it curious that Head, uh, her racket sponsor, doubled down in their support for her while the other sponsors kind of jumped ship. Mm-hmm. And I read a, a great response from the uh, the gear expert on Tennis.com, which I actually I don't usually read, but he offered some ideas about why the racket sponsor may not. And the other sponsors, like uh, there's Porsche, Nike, Nike, Tag, Hewer, or Har- ho- ho- however you say yeah. that. The big watch people. Um, what's the other one? Oh, I don't remember. But these uh, the luxury brands really did kind of disappear because they don't need her. Mm-hmm. They, you know, you mean Nike doesn't need her to be the face of their sweatshops anymore? Oh my god, this was their deal breaker. <laughs> Aside from Nike, I mean the luxury okay. brands that that sponsor her. You know, they liked her because she's popular, because she was already successful before them, and it's not really going to hurt them by losing her. You know, okay, that their brand doesn't really depend on her. She was just sort of a nice addition to the team, but head. Uh, doesn't really have any other women, top women, that they sponsor, aside from Roberta Vinci, who probably won't you be around. Use, you use top very loosely, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That's oh, the only other one top in woman? the top 20 okay. who who uses head. And also, if Sharapova had lost her racket sponsorship at this stage in career, it could be a catastrophe, even more than this already is. One of the things that I found really interesting and probably most interesting from this whole fracas, (laughs) as some like to say, is the WTA's handling of the situation. 
as far as them protecting themselves from a business standpoint. Mm -hmm. You know, they they have to toe this fine line between what they put out there publicly while still maintaining their brand. You Mm -hmm. know, they obviously can't alienate or distance themselves too much from Sharapova before some kind of verdict is reached. Right. In which case, if she's found to be like this big, massive cheat and she's given a four-year ban, then they'll, you know, I guess be more heavy-handed. But till now, they've just said, you know, let the process play out. They issued a talking points memo before the tournament started in Indian Wells, you know, giving players an idea of some of the stuff that they should be saying. Mm -hmm. Which is basically nothing. Basically nothing, but also kind of a, like be aware of some of the questions that may be asked of you, mm-hmm. which I imagine could be helpful for players, especially who don't speak English as their first language. Right. But then Steve Simon, who is a new CEO of the WTA mm-hmm. and former head of Indian Wells, mind you, we'll make that connection later on in the episode. Mm. Uh, he came out and said essentially that, you know, Maria made a mistake and... She should be given the benefit of the doubt, paraphrasing. <laughs> right. Which was very curious to me that he would say something like that. And it's speaks... because there is supposedly an investigation going on as we speak. Uh-huh. And what I'm most wary of in this whole discourse surrounding Sharapova is this, this uh, question of white privilege from which she's really benefiting from. Mm. I've seen a lot of people talk about this as, you know, this great big witch hunt against Sharapova. People are ripping her to shreds and, you know, she's really going through it. When the first thing that I thought of when this happened was, you know, what if this were happening to Serena? Mm. Or what if Serena had failed the drug test? And Lindsay Gibbs made a really good point. You know, it doesn't really help the situation to try and cut somebody down further, to bring somebody up. Uh, Right. That there isn't necessarily a, a correlation between the two that's utile mm. in this instance, other than to make yourself feel better as a fan. Really, right, right, because it doesn't make Maria more or less guilty. No. It does make it unfair that she may benefit from privilege because of uh-huh. her whiteness. And I think it's a very important lens through which to view this issue, because in many instances, she's been able to ride the coattails to use a phrase Mm. that we'll be using later on of this white privilege because that press conference was so perfectly set up for her to ride that wave going forward right because it cast her as a sympathetic figure right Mm -hmm. and she's this allegedly tall beautiful slender athlete who is the the prototype of what you would want in a female athlete Mm mm-hmm to sell sex, to sell tennis, to be the star, as evidenced in her incredible wealth, her portfolio. And the way in which her endorsements dwarf Serena's, Mm -hmm. right? But she also doesn't have the body that most people assume someone who uses PEDs has. That's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like her image of this white starlet with the perfect body doesn't fit that stereotype of what you'd imagine a doper to look like. Right. Right? And so she's able to, rightly or wrongly, you know, Mm. it is what it is, benefit from that. And somebody in that position is able to garner sympathy more easily and more readily than somebody in Serena's position. Right. Who has all the muscles, who's been called a man her entire career, who people believe 
to this day that she's a doper Mm -hmm. and are just waiting for the evidence of it. Well, they don't need evidence, apparently. But if it were to come out... Because she's been playing for 20 years and has never failed a drug test. Okay, but if it were to come out, you know, these are the ways in which that Sharapova is able to to manipulate the system to her benefit Mm -hmm. that somebody like Serena wouldn't. And that makes me very skeptical and adds a layer of skepticism in this whole situation. Mm -hmm. Never mind how I feel about it coming from a perspective of not trusting WADA and the whole drug enforcement side of things. Yeah. It it makes me really resentful that we're even talking about Serena, to be honest, Mm -hmm. because this actually has nothing to do with her because she's managed to surround herself with a team that does their job on the most basic level. Right. Like, this is a failing on Sharapova's part. Right. You know, the fact that people want to issue sympathy cards left, right, and center. Right. (laughs) When she's somebody who should know better, didn't do better, and has brought this upon herself Mm -hmm. in the most basic way. You can't really look at somebody who wants to be cut and dry black and white about this towards Sharapova and say, well, you're being unfair because she brought this all on herself. Yeah. You know, that's the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And so to be manipulating the situation to then get this great sympathy toward her, let's be real, to lessen her sentence right? to like two years, one year or nothing, mm-hmm. you know, which is her prerogative. But that's what the end game is. Like, I'm, I'm just really not feeling it at mm. all. I, I'm glad you brought up, just to go back a little, the Talking Points memo issued by the WTA, because it reminds me, uh, and we've talked about this before, of really the lack of representation that players have in the WTA and the ATP. Because WTA, first and foremost, represents the tournament directors. It's not a union. Mm-hmm. you know. So when they're issuing a memo... They're not trying to protect their membership. No, they're protecting they're, themselves. Exactly. It's like protecting the corporation. It's suggestive censorship is what it is. Right. And so if you had something like a players association modeled on some of the American leagues, like the NFL, NHL, NBA, you might actually have talking points released that are intended to protect the players themselves. Uh-huh. Or to at least ask them to not speak about an investigation that is ongoing. <laughs> you know, that may someday affect them too. But back to the, the the privilege thing, trying to frame it as explaining how privilege works. Like it's a part of the, the fabric of society. Like it's so ingrained in society that we don't have to see it mm-hmm. at work. It's there. Like so little Maria has to do to be able to benefit from it because the st- the deck is stacked so heavily in her favor right. for her to come out looking rosy on the other side of this thing, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas if it were somebody like... Which is why the comparison with, with Serena is needed. Because if it's somebody like Serena, she'd have to work that much harder to repair her image. To get a lesser right. sentence. Because to, she'd be assumed To get guilty. that sympathy, yes. Like, Maria has the benefit of innocence. Mm-hmm. Whereas... And we see this reflected in the criminal justice system in the United well, States. Well, yeah, that's a symptom of being black in America. It is. Like, they're just a, there's a certain base level that white people and black people start at that are just not the same. Mm-hmm. What else do you want to add to this issue? Well, just going off my union comments, this is bigger than Maria. First of all, a player's union that is strong could 
organize for a much better doping system Mm -hmm. or anti-doping system in tennis. Because it seems a lot of it is dictated on WADA's terms. Right. And if the problem is, say, the effectiveness of their communication or the rationale that goes into putting certain drugs on those lists, a players' union might have some impact in that area. If the players decide we're not going to play Indian Wells until you get your hosts in order. Right. When those things did happen in the not-so-recent history, you know, in the ATP, the the ATP went on strike in the 70s. the formation of the WTA Tour. Right. I mean, boycotts work in some some areas. This, uh, you know, sort of at-will employment in professional tennis, if you decide to strike, you're just not going to work that day, and you're not getting paid. You know, it's like working at Walmart. They're not going to fire you, but... (laughs) And and the union issue is so much bigger than just doping in tennis because they can actually deal with things like, uh, I don't like paid sick time. Yeah. The things that all employees across the world should be should be guaranteed. Pay disparity. Um, well, of course. <laughs> Wealth the, distribution. The male-female wage gap. Yeah. Um, the wage gap between the top play- top earners and the, the 100 to 200 ranked mm-hmm. players. I mean, we had a uh, friend on Twitter throw some ideas at us and simple things like the consistency of the balls being used at tournaments, Mm -hmm. the safety and consistency of surfaces, the safety at the actual event, the heat rules, right, which vary everywhere. The, The medical timeout rules. These are there are so many things that a player's union could actually attack, but there's no will. Well, there's no, there might be a will, but I'm not sure there's a way forward right now. <laughs> but with tennis is a multi-million dollar industry that does not exist without the players. They are the product. Right. Like if there's the will, it can happen. Mm. I think maybe I'm being naive and ignorant, but I feel like it would take a lot more top down player initiative mm-hmm. from players at the top to make it happen. Oh. I'm Maybe you're lot... just like a lot more of a Sanders fanatic than you think. <laughs> no, we're going to leave our politics Maybe you, out of this. Do you now, believe okay? in a political tennis revolution? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's you move are on. So nasty. <laughs> so nasty and so rude. Mm-hmm. To put a bow on this thing, guilty or innocent, kind of irrelevant to me at this point. Like, I want to see bigger things happen from this issue. I want to have bigger issues being talked about. There are other things that concern me more than Maria's innocence or guilt with the relative minorness of this Mm. infraction. Okay. Like, the way it's being handled, the way she's going about it, the response from all parties involved. And the bottom line is, it's still yet developing. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to put a bow on it, there is no way to put on a bow on it. <laughs> Perfect. Um, maybe, well, maybe we should talk about Indian Wells, the tournament, because it did happen amidst all this turmoil. And the thing I was looking forward to most talking about before all this happened in our next episode was Venus's return. Yeah. And the Players' Tribune essay that she wrote, which... <sighs> For the rest of my life, I will just have it bookmarked. Right. And whenever I need to have a nice emotional moment, I'll go read it. I know. I was reading it in the car. I finally got around to it. 
a few days after it had been published. And I'm like, it's the second sentence and I'm already crying. I just need to stop. <laughs> you know, I abs I really loved it. It, you know, as you know, I'm more of a Serena partisan. Uh-huh. But I have so much respect for Venus. And I called you a fake fan because <laughs> I was at work and you were at home on your deathbed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Remember that. Fine. Yeah. But I'm at work and I'm texting you and I'm saying, remember to find a stream for Venus. She's going on at like four o'clock or whatever. Mm. And you're like, why? <laughs> and I'm like, excuse me? Why? It's our first match back. You have to at least see the reaction and tell me about it. Fine. And then you were like, oh. Do you know how hard it was to find a stream? They were playing Heather Watson under the Venus Williams heading. Okay. It was very annoying. Mm -hmm. And it was hard to even get off the couch because I was so sick. Okay. <laughs> if you say so. But uh, one thing about the Players' Tribune essay that I really, really liked that made me think, you know, maybe I actually am more like Venus than Serena. Or maybe, you know, there are bits of both that really appeal to me okay that speak to me was uh she seemed so like she's so self-aware and you're saying you're so self-aware no no no, no. <laughs> but she's <laughs> she's self-aware of the fact that she keeps her emotions bottled up and she you know she keeps things she plays everything close to the vest and this is true on court you know she was comparing herself and serena on court Okay. And how sometimes it inhibits her from from maybe letting things go because she does keep things so so wrapped up inside. And she, she holds on to things which I do too. I so can relate. Mm, but she extrapolated that and made it so much bigger by saying maybe it took her longer to come to terms with Indian Wells because she does compartmentalize so much. You know, so I really I loved that. It's like a nice little sports writing trick when you take something that you do on court and make it up about your bigger personality mm -hmm. and the way you live your life. I really like that. And I love these pieces where the players spur the traditional media who would just love to yeah. just lick this up off the ground. Of course. You know, like and if anyone could get that one interview. And then you get all these headlines with snippets from what Venus said presented as if it was some breaking news from a press conference. Right. You know, like... Venus got you, girl. <laughs> you know? like the, And that's an important part of both their announcements the last two years. It was such a personal event in their lives. Mm -hmm. And they're able to present their feelings in their own way, on their own time, in their own words that can't exactly. be messed with. That's so powerful. And manipulated. And it shows you a lot about who they are individually. Because with Serena, it was about justice and it was about racism, but it was also something personal about mm -hmm. wanting to get past it. And with Venus, she spent most of the essay praising her sister uh -huh. and saying how impressed she is by her and how inspired she was. And it, sa it just says so much about who Venus is, how selfless she is, that she, she is, that she donated this massive moment in her career to Serena. And how happy she is to be in Serena's spotlight right that she's in happy her to shadow do it. it's something that i've long wondered how she was able to do <sighs> live so long as a great champion herself mm -hmm. in her sister's shadow and it 
turns out that her shadow is big enough as it is already to be able to withstand Serena's shadow. Right. She but has it, her own But shadow. it turns out that that's just who she is. It is. And watching that video of Venus going on court, when Serena did it, you know, she fought back the tears and it was very, very emotional. Mm-hmm. Venus just couldn't... When she beamed and let that first smile rip, she just could not yes. stop. And she just stood there and sat there and just soaked it all in. Such a pity that the tennis didn't reflect the moment. I know. It was it was disappointing. I was really sad about that. But it was almost like incidental. Yeah, it really didn't diminish the moment. Right. Because it was so, not to be cliche, but so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Let's just get right into the rant. Oh. Let's just treat the whole Indian Wells as a rant. <laughs> because, like, what in the actual hell has well, been this going is, on? This is the perfect segue. Okay. Because last year when we did our article... Or our podcast about Serena's return. We did two of them. Mm-hmm. One was sort of a a wrap-up after the fact. We heard from people of color in tennis who said, I respect Serena for going back, but I would never, I would never step on that court again if had it been me. Mm-hmm. And we, you know, we heard that from a few people in the tennis world and understood it. But it's it's coming back to me now. Why why someone would want Serena and Venus to stay away. Okay. And that's coming back to me because of this CEO, Miss what what's his name? Raymond Moore. Raymond Moore. And what he said about women in tennis. And it, it reminded me of all the negative feelings I have about Indian Wells and about all of the ugly ugly stereotypes about tennis fans that indian wells seems to confirm yeah over and over this time it's not racial but it's the same shit like it wearing different clothes and some will say well it's just one person but if this keeps on happening at the same event Mm -hmm. and we know so much about the demographical makeup of the event and the area like if the shoe fits two things it's one person who happens to run the place. Uh-huh. And he sets the tone. <laughs> he's the literally the CEO. Uh-huh. He's not like the janitor. And second thing, I'm still waiting for an apology for what happened in 2001 that will never come. What well, where where is the tournament apologizing? I don't I don't recall that. Do you? I don't I remember think... them walking on eggshells terrified of pissing off their fans again when Serena pulled out. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So what does that tell you about the tournament and its opinion of its own fans? So anyway, let's talk about Raymond Moore. (sighs) He referred to women's players as lady players. Yeah, I actually asked you if he was a speaker of English as a second language. Because I was so shocked that someone would use the word lady players. No, he's just an old, stuck-up, rich fart. (laughs) That's what they do. Apparently. Ignorant, old, bigoted, rich fart. Mm -hmm. Talking about how the WTA is riding on the coattails of the ATP and that the women should get down on their knees and be thankful every morning that they have Rafa and Roger to carry them, pretty much. That's basically a direct quote. Uh The getting on your knees and thanking God, that's a direct quote. The women are riding on the coattails of the men. Another direct quote. It was was horrifying. 
Yeah, it was really bad. And he also said that the ladies are very, very lucky. Like, I guess lucky to be playing tennis at all. And then pivoted to say that, you know, the women have some, the WTA has some attractive talent coming up. And then when oh asked, you know, did you mean physically attractive or competitively attractive? Oh, oh, both, both, both. As if like that panicked response somehow means that he's rectified the situation. No, the mere right. fact that you have to be asked and then respond in that way shows that you have some coded sexism going on here. Well, yeah, because the takeaway for him was that, yes, they're attractive because of their play and their bodies. Uh-huh. How could it be better? And the, the two examples that you give are Muguruza and Bouchard. Right. But he was confirming that, you know, a female athlete is valuable insofar as she's talented and, and hot. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to be both. It's like he started with like, the shovel. Ever, would you ever speak about one of the young so-called... Hashtag next generation ATP players in that way. Right. Never. Like Alexander Zverev, like that nose is not covering any magazine anytime <laughs> soon. But you will never hear men talked about in those terms. Right. Like the, the book on talking about men and women is so vastly different. Mm-hmm. The playbook is totally different. Like, can you imagine? It, take the most conventionally attractive young man, Gregor Dimitrov. Okay. Like, was he marketed as, oh my God, he's so gorgeous and he can play tennis? Like, where was that fawning over him? You like, know? come to the tennis and stay for his Instagram. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's not happening. Indian Wells Sunsets brought to you by Grigor Dimitrov. Oh my God. And his beautiful eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's like this guy, somebody gave him a shovel and he just could not stop digging. It was his own damn shovel. He bought that shovel back in 1952 and he's been digging it ever since. Oh my god. Apparently he was a touring pro. He's South African. Oh my god. Then we got Serena's reaction and Novak's reaction. And Serena was pretty much like, really? What the fuck? Yeah. She put him on glass. Did not mince words. No. Was not having it. I imagine she's so tired of having to feel these questions in press conferences. Like, what fresh bullshit is right. coming? And she even said, why do I always get asked these questions? Right. Not, do, not only do you have to carry the t- the mantle of being the face of all black women in sport, mm. you have to ca- you have to be the, the face of all women in sport. You have to then answer all the questions about the mass sexism in sport directed mm-hmm. toward women, which, as we know... A fresh one is birthed by the second. Right. <laughs> so like it's, it's like Stakovsky reproduces by mitosis. Right? It's like when you get one of those accounts on Twitter that's harassing you, and they come back by the same handle, but with a two beside it, going up to ten. <laughs> it's like the handle is like at freshfucker26. <laughs> <laughs> and today it was at freshfucker2092, <laughs> you know? It's like the handle is at... Somebody who's about to get their hair ripped out at the roots. Mm. Although normally I just block. Like, get all Sloan Like Sloan. I just, I don't engage. And I, I don't judge people who choose to engage. Because that's important that work in itself. That is not true. Itself. You tell me that all the time. Why are you even talking to these well, people? Well, no. It, well, it's situation specific. Okay. Generally, I would prefer to disengage because I don't feel like there's a point. But there's definitely an argument to be made that... These sorts of statements can't be allowed to just sit there in the universe mm-hmm. uncontested. So I totally get that. Okay. And in this, this is a, a perfect example. This 
old white man from South Africa who decides to denigrate women's tennis at a women's tennis event where women are supposedly put on equal footing with men. The same day that you, your Wonder Boys served up a stinker in the final. And oh, <laughs> six two six love, y'all. Right? Regardless of whatever injury Milo supposedly had. And then you had a fairly entertaining, if not competitive, match with Serena and Vika, mm-hmm. which was clearly the showpiece of the right, day's play. Right. And also, like, this is also a tournament that is supposedly the fifth major, that for 13 years, the women's draw suffered massively mm-hmm. because two of the top players in the world chose not to go. Because of its own right. infraction. Because of a horrible it, yeah. incident that happened at your tournament that you never apologize for. By your own fans. Right. And mishandled by your own people. So you're saying that you have no awareness of the history of this tournament or women's tennis in general? And Billie Jean King is there... She's there on Twitter to tell you about the history of women's mm-hmm. tennis if you want to hear it. And she was out today. So Novak struts into press and he's asked about it. And it's a very simple response. You say, you know, that's really bad. You know, <laughs> I do not support those comments. I think women's tennis is wonderful, has great value. Mm. And there's no room for that in sports or in tennis. Instead, a full stop. Exactly. Instead, Novak decides to do his pontificating (laughs) with one big bag of nuance that's just, in effect, cloaking his own sexism. Because he talks about, he then pivots to talk about pay equity between the tours, about men and and women being paid the same amount of money, Mm. and saying what he thinks is that uh, men should, he thinks men should be paid more, and that men should fight for that. And then women should also fight for what they want. But separately. But separately. Right. So then you listen to that and you're like, well, so you think men should get paid more? No. Like, that's the way you just said. Uh That's what you just said. Like, you tried to give this nuanced response and it made no sense whatsoever. Other than to really paint yourself and depict yourself as some kind of sexist fool. Right. Well, but in the same breath, he's talking about... You know, he was coached by a woman as a youngster. Yeah, well, that and... was prompted. That question was... Oh, okay. That was prompted. What? <laughs> there was a lot of good things that he talked about, uh, yeah. and a lot of great things that he said about women's tennis. But the moment that you bring out the hormones and talk about women's bodies, again, presented in, like, a positive way to talk oh about, like, God. the stuff that women about, have to like, go... About, like, how hard it is you know, to be like, a woman. <laughs> okay. Like, you're trying to present this in a positive way, but... At this point in 2016, like Lindsay Gibbs's piece on how not to talk about women in sport has been out for damn near two <laughs> years. And every two months she has to retweet it and tweet it again. And don't you remember when Sangha was blasted for talking about hormones and everything? Right. Like, just stay away. I feel like uh, mm-hmm. Novak was just kind of, he was like so close and yet so far, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, just stop, stop while you're ahead. And it was so unnecessary. The whole yeah. thing was so unnecessary. And it reminded me of one of those things where your true feelings are there and you've kind of learned how to not let them come to the surface and you get an opportunity and you think you're keeping it suppressed, but not really. Mm. You know, it was, it wasn't so far from a good look. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm not inclined to criticize him too harshly because I feel like the spirit of what he was trying to say wasn't communicated very well. Mm -hmm. I think the point is that while he may be a little backward in some ways, 
that he was generally supportive of women in sports and has a lot of respect for what they yeah. do. The point you know, was made to me on Twitter that, you know, he's no Simon, right? No, Fine. certainly not. Fine. No, 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 no. He has a much bigger pulpit than Simon ever will. Mm-hmm. His voice will go much farther. And he's one who wants to be an ambassador for tennis. Yes. Who wants to be that person whose voice is listened to. And if your goal, as it seemed for a lot of what you said in this press conference, is to speak positively and affirmingly about women's tennis, this was not it. And so Mm -hmm. this was a missed opportunity and a demeaning incident, really. Right. Because no matter how you want to say that a lot of what he said was positive, some of the stuff he said was really, really damaging. And yeah, and really I, just I'm not here, and Yeah, and I'm not here to give people brownie points. You know, people want to cut down Andy Moore at every turn, mm-hmm. talking about how, you know, he shouldn't be given credit for being what we should expect from a man. So if you're going to give me, giving me that feedback when we praise Andy Mori, don't be then coming to try and defend Novak now. Because Andy, for the most part, is what you would want in a male tennis player in that Right. Situation. Don't pretend like they're the same. They're not. You know. And so when Andy, if Andy makes steps a foot wrong, I'll be the first to say something about it. Novak did something bad today. I must say something about it. The fact that it's not. It, this is not like varying degrees of difficulty of sexism. <laughs> you know, like we're not scoring right. a figure skating routine here. Like I'm not <laughs> making those distinct distinctions. It is. As bad, if not more bad, because of how much of an audience he has. Mm -hmm. And I should expect more from him, and we should all expect more from him. He's been in this position for a long time now. He should be versed in dealing with this question. I'm sure it's not the first time he's dealt with this question. And the fact that it was such an unforced error, something of his own doing, really did not sit well with me. Mm. And we talked when we recorded our episode about Andy about how low the expectations are for male athletes Mm -hmm. and how he, I mean, he jumps well over the bar, but the bar is very low. It is low. You know, so in this situation, I think Novak would do well to clear the bar by omission. You You don't even have to jump over the bar. You just have to lean over the bar and he still crushed down the high bar. And he could do that by just omitting a few of the things. Right. You know, just saying less in general. By not feeling entitled to spew your mouth as the as men feel they always need to do right they're so in love with their opinions Mm. opinions that then serena has to deal with in her next presser right or whatever so the the women now have to deal with well what do you think about what novak said well it's like god like serena doesn't have enough to deal with she has to defend the very existence of women in sports like (laughs) I realize that's the burden of being the best, but her burden is considerably greater than almost any famous woman in American history. And let me get on another rant here, because I thought about this today. You have all these youngins like Daria Kezekina, who's coming out and talking about how she don't watch women's tennis. She knows she can only learn and gain things from men's tennis. Mm -hmm. Like, listen, you have somebody like Serena Williams, Venus Williams, even Maria Sharapova on your tour, who have been through things, Mm -hmm. Serena and Venus, to a far greater greater extent than anybody else on the women's tour, who've had to, like I've said before, carry that torch for black women, for women, for women's sport, 
all these different hats that they've had to wear. And you're coming with your new self Mm -hmm. with this fresh bullshit to come and demean all that all these great women have come and done before you so you can come and play well, and, and tour. how they play the game right like you don't think that you can learn something about volleying from skiavone you don't think but, that your power tennis is predicated on Lindsay davenport and right? venus williams and serena williams mm-hmm. and all these other women who've come before you in modern tennis in the last 20 years yet you want to come and tell me that that you know you learned so much from watching like what like the men's ncwa final <laughs> Like, learn your history. But it's cool. Like, it's cool if you want to learn stuff from men's tennis. But yeah. don't say that women's tennis is barren. And no. that y- there's nothing to be gained from it. Or be so flippant and laugh about it. But, like, when people say that, I just want to be like, well, why don't you go play men's tennis if you like it so damn much? Right. You know? <laughs> and it should be noted that this woman is the product, like all of us, of a patriarchal society. And she was taught those things, mm-hmm. you know, like she is as much. And a, we know in recent history what it's like coming out of Russia right? with Tarpashev and all, all the Safin himself, Safina, a couple of years ago mm. after she'd even retired saying similar things. But she's as much a victim of patriarchy mm-hmm. as, a, as a defender, you know, like that's that's one of the weapons of patriarchy is that you get the oppressed to to consent in their own oppression and share it with others. Uh-huh. You know, this is how oppression works in every way. If I were running the tours, I would make sure they talk about having ATP school and WTA school, mm-hmm. but they go to like three days of nothingness. Apparently <laughs> I would let these players have to pass with a score of B and above a sports sociology course, a sport history course oh, really, before they even get on tour. Like, learn about how sport and sexism and racism and homophobia and all these isms interact with yourself and society. And the sport you play and, your and you know, your profession. That would be a tall order. It's never going to happen. It would happen in a player's union situation. It could. <laughs> because in that sense, you have to have some ideological mooring, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, whose idea of sport history are you going to teach? I just feel like we're stuck in this this hamster on a on a wheel yeah. kind of situation. We I, keep seeing and hearing these things over and over and over again, and we're not getting anywhere or nearly as fast mm-hmm. as we should. And doing what we do, we see these things and talk about them a lot, and it does get repetitive. It's very frustrating. And what's also frustrating is to hear and see people on Twitter and elsewhere saying how they don't get it. When things as basic and as bold-faced as this can be so deeply damaging and problematic, mm. yet you sit there with your privilege and say, "Why? Why? I don't get it." <laughs> that just—it really makes me laugh because it's like, why are you advertising that you don't get right? it? Right? The like, ignorance is just on full display. You know, so you don't get something. When I don't get something, I'm embarrassed, uh, or or I go like read something. I don't like tell right. I have the whole internet like I'm not smart. <laughs> and if you're really concerned about learning, like DM somebody who you think might be able to help you. Right. Like it's just there. Like stu- DM. I see these people ask fucking Brad Gilbert every goddamn question under the sun, so they can get a percentage response. Sixty-two percent <laughs> right. chance that my foot will fall off today. So if you you have the the will to ask Brad Gilbert about everything. 
you know, ask somebody who knows about what you want to learn about. And stop defending people just because. Sometimes your heroes are flawed and say and do stupid things. Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have to be defending people at every turn. And I should hope that if something really bad, knock on wood, happens or comes forth from the mouth of one of my faves, I'll be able to, to apply that to myself. I trust that oh, I yeah. will. Oh my god, how, like, how many singers and actors have you lost because of something stupid they said? Yeah, but none of your absolute faves. Well, right. You know, that it can be you, a really... You hope that you choose yeah, wisely. Yeah, it can be a really hurtful thing But some people really surprise you. Yeah? You know. Anyway, can we talk about the tennis just quickly? Because I know very this is going quickly, on a while. Very quickly, um, Dabba the, Dabba do one. The less said about this, the better. Mm-hmm. You know, Serena, I hope that she plans on, like, winning one of these things in 2016. I know that's really uncharitable, but like... She's played two tournaments and made two finals. It's really not the end of the world. I know. What's more problematic for me is that she seems to be getting into these high-pressure matches and crumbling under the pressure. Right. Succumbing to her own nerves. And she's admitted as much. And I don't want to... I cannot go through another year of the gap between 17 and 18. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, she was getting losing to, early at majors. 22. It was so tough to to get to 18 for her, yeah. and I feel like she's getting nervous about 22. In support of Vika, she looks in as good a shape as I've seen her in a long, long time. Mm. Like, even last, last year, she didn't look as physically fit as she has in the past. You watched her today. We were at work, so didn't watch the match. We saw the highlights. She's in top shape. It must be that Iggy Azalea diet. <laughs> it's all that dabbing, you know? Maybe she does it, like, well, she does a perpetual running mm. dab that's part of her <laughs> oh my god a side to side dab serena had an interesting racket smashing moment yes now when serena fell down double break mind you she's she double faulted to lose serve multiple times in this match and on one such occasion she smashed her racket mm-hmm. and then code violation miss williams racket abuse mm-hmm. Serena goes to the chair, sits down. Before she even gets the racket out of the plastic, she's smashing the other one. <laughs> like, she damn near destroyed two rackets. It's like she heard the chair say, racket abuse. Mm-hmm. And she's like, say something. <laughs> what did you just say? I'm sorry. What? What are you going to do? Uh, my name is Serena Jamaica Williams. <laughs> and if I want to mash up a racket, I'm going to mash up the racket. <laughs> what are you going to do to me? And then all you hear is point violation, Serena Williams. <laughs> well done, I, I guess like, that's what happened. Make her do it again. Right? One more time. And let's see if the umpire actually says second point violation. Right? Let me want her to just start stomping on her bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, you remember when Marcos Bagdadis smashed basically all of his pre-wrapped rackets mm. on the changeover? I think he had one left to play with. You know, I I don't really, I don't like that you lose points for racket abuse. I feel like if you want to smash your own racket, that's cool. Yeah. That's, Unless you're damaging parts uh-huh, of the court. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Says the person who smashes remote control. We've talked about you. Yeah. You clearly would defend that position. But it's just kind of silly to me. It's like, it's their racket. Why, why are you getting a code? But at the point at which she's been violated. No, that's not the right word. At the, <laughs> <laughs> at the point at which she's been given a violation... 
you just don't smash another one. <laughs> well, she's Serena Williams. She can do whatever she damn well pleases. <laughs> she clearly gave zero fucks in that situation. Right? Novak won 626 love over Raonic. Holy shit. We didn't see this. I don't really know what went on in mm-hmm. this match. We... Supposedly Raonic was dealing with some injury. He said it didn't really play a, a factor in the match on the mm. score because Djokovic was just playing that well. When it comes to Djokovic, you know, and people talking about, oh, he's struggling at the start of tournaments and we see these weird score lines. Like, I mm-hmm. just don't pay any attention no, to it anymore. Because it's false hope. Because people had been saying, oh, you know, he's really not his himself lately. Mm-hmm. Like, But he won the Australian Open. He's he won just everything won for Wales. a year. Like... He pulled out of Dubai because of that eye thing. I realize, you know, losing more than two games to Rafael Nadal is really not himself. He lost lately. eight games to Nadal. Right. Which, for us, we watched part of this on the plane, actually, coming from Florida. I, I spent $8 on Wi-Fi up in the sky. For, like... For, like, four games. 45 minutes. Right? Right. So I could watch some of this match. And Rafa had set point, and but for a little bit more aggression and mm. a little bit more luck, he could have won that first set. And for the first time in a long time, I feel like we can honestly say he's really moving in the right direction. It was so encouraging. Yeah, I'm still not willing to go there. I'm not wanting to set myself up okay. with that kind of, <laughs> you know, false hope. I'm not saying that I expected him to win or even win a set. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I got to a tiebreak was super encouraging. And he was a point away from losing. And he Zverev. beat Nishikori yeah. in the previous round, which pretty handily. this year, this past year, is a huge uh-huh. win for him. He was one forehand volley shank. <laughs> From Zverev away from being out. Right. And good so thing he his got a little bit of so luck. Good. Yeah. He had that three-set first-round match against Mueller. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he was tested and he came out looking stronger and stronger as the tournament went on, which he says he needs the match practice. He claims he has a lot of confidence now. I'm hoping to see this transfer going forward. Yeah, so fingers crossed. As for the rest of the tournament and the lineup, um, Halep's playing better. She got beaten by Serena. Yep. No big surprise there. She seemed pretty happy with her performance from reading her press. Nicole Gibbs is at a new career high. She's playing well. Kvitova is managing to win some matches with some really mm-hmm. crazy looking score lines well into the third set. But put in like a pretty exciting match against Radwanska too, mm-hmm. which shows you sort of the contrast of styles in women's tennis. Kazetkina is on the rise, also with a new career high. Looks to be, I mean, Venus lost to her to start the year in Auckland. Yeah. And she's pretty much done nothing but win and impress since. So Except for her comments as, like, in that tennis.com Q&A. She gets her shit together. Pliskova finally had a good tournament, made the semifinals. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else happened? Dominic Team, we know he's surging. Songa had a decent tournament, lost in two tie breaks to Djokovic. Kind of a typical... <laughs> Joe Joe Willie match. Right. Uh Goffin got to the semifinals, which is a huge result here. He beat Vavrinko. Mm-hmm. Almost blew a big lead against Vavrinko. A set and double breakup. Ended up winning at 7-5 in the third. Raonic had another good tournament. Hopefully his injury situation isn't too long term. Mm-hmm. Monfils continues to impress this year, being unusually consistent for him. Right. And I guess the big takeaway from this week is that Vika's back in the top 10. She is. And I mean, she's been challenging Serena for so long and playing her so close that she was bound to win one of these. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like a huge surprise to me that she won. I just, 
it's alarming to me to see Serena's nerves play such a big part again. Yeah. You know, that's definitely something to look for going forward to mm-hmm. see how that continues to play out or if she can manage to to get around it. Right. But also, like, this is not a major. So I expect Serena to go into finals thinking that she's going to win, you know? Yeah, but there was the Australian Open final, the US Open semifinal. This was a tournament that you know she wanted to win. Yeah. After having to withdraw in the semi uh, last year. And this would have been, what, 15 years in between titles at Indian Wells at a tournament with such a great history for her and her family. You know this is something that she Mm. wanted. But let's get to Miami, you know? I'm looking forward to Miami and seeing Serena possibly win, what, number nine? And Venus loves Miami, too. Yeah. So we'll see. It's their home. It's basically home base these days. All right, let's wrap it up because we've covered a lot. It's been a long episode. And it feels like such a relief to finally get something on tape after being sick and after being sort of passed by by Sharapova. And thank you to everybody who's been reaching out, sending well wishes to James, to inquiring about when the next episode was coming. We love that there's interest and we hope you haven't forgotten about us mm-hmm. and that you listen and enjoy this episode. But asking how I am health-wise is so sweet. <laughs> really, Very nice. Thank you, everyone. You can find me, Jonathan, on Twitter at SportsscribeCA. And I'm James, and I'm at Elliot JMR. Two L's, two T's. And the- please follow us on the Body Serve as well, at the Body Serve. Very easy. As always, give us a review on iTunes, and look out for my weekly recap this week in tennis. That'll be coming out roughly about the same time as this, too. So I'll probably put a link to it on the Podbean homepage. Mm-hmm. And check out my Twitter for notifications on that. Till next time.